Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in order. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes of this and Angel the Series. I'm Harrison, and I have been gay 1999 to present. And I'm Jason because Spike couldn't program my name right. <laughs> Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, we are watching Buffy Season 5, Episode 18. This is the one where Jason and I bothered to prepare a joke um, and or came up with an actual good one on the fly. Um, Part, excuse me, but I've been... I've been nailing them week by week. You're the one who comes in unprepared. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, maybe I've been replaced by a robot. Ugh, probably for the better. <laughs> uh, this is the one where uh, Spike receives the Buffy bot from F- Warren, whose face I was so unhappy to see. Uh, and... Uh, while Buffy goes on a vision quest to learn more about uh, her nature as a slayer, um, shenanigans happen in an episode that is really ping-pongs back and forth between quite serious and quite yeah, funny. <laughs> it, it, feels like, it feels like it should be a lot more like traumatic than it actually is. It's like right on the cusp of traumatic, but never makes that jump into... Yeah. Like, oh my god, level. Yeah, it's a good, I feel like it's a good mix. It'd be weird if we went into a completely comedic episode from what we've been in. This but, might be as comedic as we can get in yeah, the wake of Joyce's death. Exactly. It's a nice breath of air. Forever, oh, excuse me, Intervention. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Intervention was written by Jane Espenson and directed by Michael Gershman and originally aired on April 24th, 2001. Remember how last week I was like, this episode feels like it was written by Jane Espenson, and I was, of course, wrong? This episode <laughs> felt like it was written by Jane Espenson. Mm-hmm. Hit it. And by it, I mean Spike repeatedly. All right, Jason, what are you drinking today? Well, you and John were nice enough to part with one of your limited edition Narragansett beers. Uh, this is the beer that was used by that was drank by Quint in um, in the movie Jaws. Is Quint right? Uh, um, yes. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Quint or Quinn, um, but yeah, um, who is a uh, Oh, God, what's that actor's name? Richard Dreyfus. No, no. Richard Dreyfus was um, Hooper. Yeah. Uh, oh, no! Um, this is... <laughs> this is, this is what Quinn drank in... In, uh... In Jaws. Uh, the... Roy Scheider... No, excuse me. Roy Scheider... Roy Scheider plays... Robert Barry. Shaw! Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Oh, oh boy. You know, it is not helpful that the three leads of that are Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfuss, and Robert Shaw. Yeah. That's confusing as shit. <laughs> um, no, fantastic movie. Probably, like, uh, probably one of the first, like, blockbusters, summer blockbusters. Yeah. And, of course, Steven Spielberg is the one behind it. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and uh, apparently they stylized it as it was in 1975 in the same style that Quint drank his beer. So. Yeah, it's interesting that they. I was I was just like wondering. I was like, is that is it an anniversary or? But no. We're a couple years off from... It might be something that they do, like, every summer. Because, because, you know, because Jaws is associated as a summer blockbuster movie. That's true. Um, It's cool, though. I like it. I do, too. I didn't realize it was, like, limited edition until you read the thing. Mm Because I was like, oh, I guess we should keep one of them. Well, I noticed, like, when I was getting it out of the fridge, it was in, like, a... It was in a box that had, like, the Jaws poster on it. I mean... I know the Jaws poster. That's like it's most, iconic. It might be the most iconic movie poster of all time, um, and uh, yeah. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Uh, I'm drinking a vodka and ginger ale, um, because yeah, not like vodka with a, just a ginger root thrown <laughs> in. <laughs> um, I've got some Grey Goose vodka with a with a, a cutting of ginger. <laughs> Which actually, like, some, like, really nice vodka with some, like, fresh ginger actually doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. Do you remember when you had that uh, that bottle of liquor that had the pear yes. in it? Yes, uh-huh. Imagine, like, a bottle of vodka that just has, like, a, a whole ginger root in it. I mean, ginger and vodka is not a bad flavor profile. So, yeah, I'm not... that pear thing was so good, but I am so... So for listeners, this was a, a bottle that John's parents brought us back from France. And um, we still have the bottle. Um, I'll take a picture of it and put it on our Insta along with the picture I just took of Jason's beer can. Um, but it was like, yeah, this like liqueur with an actual pear like inside of it. And um, we didn't, we actually held on to it for several years. Um, not several, like... A year or two because we just wanted to save it for something longer, special yeah longer than you normally hold on to like a bottle like yeah but we wanted to, we wanted to have it for something special so um it was my birthday actually um we were having a birthday dinner here at our which house, is coming up which is coming up um and i was like oh let's all try it and we we because there's like a group of us instead of pouring like glasses at it like we had thought of doing originally we just did like little shots um I don't remember who it was, but we all thought it was going to be, like, real sweet, real, like, easy to drink. But it was liquor. Like, Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was a sipping liquor. And someone just happened to, like, catch a sniff of it right before they, like, threw it back and, like, stopped themselves. It was like, no one shoot this. No one shoot this. It's not shooting liquor. Might have been Skylar. It feels like Skylar. (laughs) And I was just like really glad that that happened because I think that would have been a lot of people spitting it out <laughs> just from shock uh, but it was good yes and there um, was an actual pear yeah inside yeah. of it yeah which we, they, they, they did you say that they like made the bottle around the pear so so they they grow the pear in the bottle oh okay. they basically yeah um we they have like a thing on the box that shows how they do it but basically they on their pear tree, once it like starts once it the pear like hits a certain size they like before it gets too big they like put the bottle like around it and like affix it to the branch so that it just grows in there and then when they're ready they just chop it and it's mm. in there because okay. we literally were like well, how did they get it in there how <laughs> did they do it and the box thankfully just tells us all right i'm getting thirsty let's uh, let's yeah, do a yeah, toast. Let's toast let's toast 
um, chaos energy. All right. Um, and this won't be as satisfying audibly because I do have a beer can yeah. while Harrison has a glass, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Uh, cheers to uh, cheers to finding laughs in dark times. Oh boy, yeah. Yeah, that was that was sad. <laughs> Not the sentiment, just the the sound. No oh, bad beer. Yeah, I like an Narragansett, and it's like a it's it's a cheap beer without being piss water. Yeah, it's like. I would say that's not as good as Yingling, which would be my go-to, mm-hmm. like, cheaper beer. Uh, but it's better than, like, you know... Yeah, PBR. PBR, Rolling Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, this week on Buffy, uh, Buffy and Dawn are settling into their new routine post uh, the death of Joyce. Um, kind of... Uh, finding this new normal they're finishing up dinner with giles they're washing the dishes um, giles came over and cooked them dinner it was so sweet of him mm-hmm. and he you know buffy's like you don't have to and he's like what makes me feel useful and don's like want to come over and clean the garage <laughs> <laughs> don's a little grifter um uh We'll, we'll, we'll discuss uh, more of don's uh <laughs> criminal activities a little later <laughs> in this episode um, he, Buffy wants to start getting, trying to get things back to normal, um, and Giles suggests that they get back into her regular training. Um, but Buffy's having a bit of an identity crisis. She is, uh, worried about, uh, and this is a journey she's been having this whole season about what being the Slayer means, um, and... Um, and it's something that came up a little bit last season too, particularly in Restless, where she um, she objected to the term killer being used uh, as the Slayer. But she's worried that being the Slayer and all the darkness that she's exposed to um, is hardening her. Um, I um, I like uh, I like the fact that this is a bit of a twist on what the conflict that we normally associate with Buffy, it's like, oh, I've got the, um, it's like, oh, part of me wants to be like a normal girl. Part of me has to be the Slayer. And, uh, this is kind of a twist on like, she thinks that the Slayer has won. Mm-hmm. And the, the Slayer and the duties have won and like have made her incapable of being a girl. Whereas like, so she's not even, so now she's worried that it's not even worth like trying for. It's the point where she even blames herself for Riley going away. I'm like, you know, <laughs> Riley needs to get the fuck over what <laughs> his little inadequacy issues. Yeah. Um, and I hated that she like equated that to like on the same level as her mom. And uh, I mean, I can understand her still being upset about Riley. Mm-hmm. It's more like grief than she actually showed in the episode after Riley left. Yeah. But uh, it, it it didn't, it was very kind of like false equivalency. It very much is a false equivalency. And, but I also, I understand why for Buffy, it's a piling on. Yeah. It's all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, yeah, I agree. It's like, yeah, 
Riley leaving is probably one of the wor- best things that could have happened to you, Buffy. But that's not how she sees it, especially considering everything else that's going on. Also, um, when Giles does ask like how Dawn's doing, how Buffy's doing, Buffy says that she's okay, and you got a really good line. Um, some some minutes are harder than mm-hmm. others, and oof, that that one hits. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen um, either seen the movie or read uh, the play version, or potentially seen the play um, Rabbit Hole? No. Um, so it's about, um, it's the opposite. It's about a, a couple whose child has died, who's, was killed in a car, uh, was hit, was hit by a, a car after running into the street. Um, and the film stars Nicole Kidman and Aaron Eckert. It's very good. Um, but the Nicole Kidman's character, um, uh, in like her backstory, she had a brother who had died of a drug overdose, and she speak talking to her mother about it and trying to like learn how her mom dealt with the grief. And she, her mother, who's played by Diane Weist in the film, has like a, a little monologue where she talks about how the grief is like um, it's like a stone, um, and it starts off like a boulder and it eventually kind of whittles down. And into a stone that you keep in your pocket. And it's always there. You're always aware of it, but it's never... Um, but eventually, you know, the, the weight of it becomes bearable. Mm-hmm. And it's a really beautiful monologue. Um, and uh, that's kind of what this scene, what, what, you know, the what Giles was saying to her, like, you know, it will get better. And kind of Buffy's, like, you know, basically have to take it a minute at a time sort of thing made me yeah. think of. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that people who have lost somebody very dear to them the last thing that they want to hear is it will get better because will it more than likely yes Mm -hmm. but it ain't gonna happen Mm -mm. today it ain't gonna happen tomorrow yeah and i do think giles is the right person to to give her that message i think if yeah i I think if one of the others had said it to her with the exception of tara yeah i agree i agree you know I'm, oh god! I'm not. I just had an image of Anya being like, "It'll get better, Buffy. Don't worry." <laughs> I feel like um, Anya found it much easier to click with Robot Buffy than with Anya and Buffy vibe. <laughs> then they vibed. Uh, they vibed hard with actual Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> um. They. They. No. They really did click. But uh, Giles does, um, he does say that he would hate to see her, like, lose kind of the progress and momentum that she was on. So he suggests a quest Mm -hmm. um, that uh, some Slayers uh, undergo to regain their focus and uh, a vision quest, if you will. And there's conveniently a holy spot just for this sort of occasion, not too far from here in the desert. Well, I mean... You know, I feel like all the shit that they have to deal with being on a Hellmouth, there's got to yeah. be, like, something nearby that would offset yeah. it. I, I like to think that there's, you know, this holy site isn't for this specific thing. It's just a general yeah. holy site. And there are many of them all over the world where this could have worked. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, over at uh, Glory's fabulous penthouse apartment, that if I were seeing this apartment in real life, I'd be like, wow, this looks so cheap. But like 
for like a limited TV budget, I'm like, ooh, fancy. <laughs> um, it's really a glorious presence that that it really, you're right. up the place. It really does. Uh, speaking of Leighton, this thank you for that because I wanted to bring this up. Did you feel like this episode had a really strange visual quality? It was extremely bright. Um, a lot of the scenes, and there were some times where I just felt like the picture quality was not up to par with what we've seen I in did, this season. I did notice um, that uh, the fight at Glory's mansion took place during the day, which seems like something that would normally take place at night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Spike's tried to escape, but what's he going to do? Because, like, he's, he'd be walking right out into sun, yeah. into sunlight. Yeah, it's well, and there's a weird time thing where it's it is night when they leave, uh, when the Scoobies leave Xander's apartment, and br- bright fucking day by the time they get to Buffy's. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's yeah, it's some of it seems like really overexposed, like the stuff in the desert. I'm like, okay, they were filming outside, like you know, that gets a little wonky sometimes. But I would there were times I was like, this episode just looks weird. Um. But uh, Glory is uh, ordering her minions to keep tabs on the Slayer and everyone who associates with her because they have got to find the key. Time is running out. Uh, They really need to step up their game. But Glory's like, there are only four episodes left in the season. We have to find the key. (laughs) Um, um, They... uh, so that's that's their 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 goal. Um, Buffy does decide to go on this vision quest with uh, Dawn's encouragement. The gang says they'll take care of her. So they're all having a little little slumber party over at Xander and Anya's place. Tara um, puts a protection spell over the apartment, yeah. and uh, she does comment on um, how if Willow were here it would have been a stronger spell. And, uh... She mentions that Willow yeah, has what, flown past her right. since they've met in terms of so skill. So, here's the question. Here's the question that I have, and maybe I'm just not thinking clearly, but what was the point of having Willow not be there? Was it just for that line? I th- Well, I think part of it is that. I think also it was for that, sh- that establishing shot of the, um... Of the minions like following her out of, sorry, um, like the the new minions movie just released. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm, you say that. Oh god! We've already blown our load with a minions promo with, with Harmony's minions. Um, <laughs> Glory has minions. Um, yeah, and I think maybe it's put like. The shot of the minions following Willow is obviously to be like, okay, so they're, you know, they're keeping tabs. We already knew that. But it's also like a, maybe like a, supposed to be a bit of a, um, a red herring, you know, prime us to think maybe it's Willow who's in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't really go anywhere, so it doesn't matter. Um, Xander had a line that made me pissed off at him at first. And then I was like, oh, but you know, he's right. When he says to Tara, it's like, oh, but when Willow comes in, gets here, like, can she punch it up a bit? And at first I was like, rude. 
But then I was like, okay, in this instance, there's like a horrible hell god after you all. And so the most powerful protection spell possible is what you need. So while it's not tactful, you know, this isn't the situation where tact is what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tara didn't seem perturbed by it, so I'll begrudgingly you know, Tara, allow it. Tara gets perturbed by something in this episode, but it's, yeah. it ain't that. And we did kind of gloss over it, but let's finish this slumber party thing first. Yeah. I know there's something that you want to talk about Dawn-wise. Oh, yeah. So, they're going to... Tara's going to stay with Dawn. Xander and uh, Anya are going to go patrol. While they're discussing this, uh, uh, and specifically a program on the television about the Salem witch trials, and Anya has very, very specific opinions (laughs) about, it really wasn't that bad. If you were a real witch, you were able to get away pretty easily. It was only the falsely accused who it was a problem for. Yes, Anya. Accurate. (laughs) The Salem witch trials... We're a problem for the people falsely accused. Somebody's never seen The Crucible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but whilst, whilst this is happening, Anya uh, has taken off a pair of earrings and set them down, and Dawn spots them. She noticed how I said the wrong name at first, and then, like... Just made up for made it. Made up for it. I'm getting better at this. Nice. Um, <laughs> season 5, episode 18! <laughs> um... And Dawn pockets them. I'd say put that in your back pocket, but it's a little on the nose. (laughs) Well, I mean, Dawn has stolen things before, but it was specifically to uh, find out, um, like, she took stuff from the magic shop to perform the spell to see, like, oh, hey, am I the key? Yes, yep. you are. Yeah. Um, and I made like a little hint like, oh, I hope this doesn't become a habit. Spoiler alert, it going to become a habit. Just like the shark from Jaws. She's got a taste for it now. <laughs> yeah, and I honestly didn't realize that they started it at this point in the I, series. I didn't either. That happened. Listen, okay. All the cards on the table. Listeners, you're smart. You can tell that Dawn's stealing something and it not being addressed for the rest of the episode is set up. Dawn stealing shit is a waste of time. And yeah. I am a pro-Dawn person, but I am an anti-Dawn stealing. Not like because stealing is wrong or whatever, <laughs> but because it, it's a it bad does, story. Yeah, it does nothing to advance the character. Um, it stagnates in the, her, in quite frankly. Run, yeah, And, you know, when people want to complain about Dawn... This is this is actually like exhibit A, and it's like, well, it's hard to find an argument against that. No, yeah. If someone has complaints about Dawn, I'm like, I'm like rolled up my sleeves. I'm like, I'm ready to defend my girl. And they're like, when she starts stealing shit, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, then anyway, that's that. Um, Spike. Yeah. Should we say it? What, what a toxic, toxic man. man. <laughs> Spike receives his Buffy bot from Warren, who's also a toxic man. Yeah. Um, I was so disappointed. I like, when I saw him, I was like, oh, I didn't know we had to see Warren again. And Jason was like, well, you knew he had to get the robot. And I was like, I don't know. I just thought it showed up in like a box in his crypt or something. <laughs> 
special delivery. I didn't want to have to see Warren's rat face. <laughs> but we do. Um, Warren has finished the Buffy bot, and now he's All apologies out of town. to um, Adam... Adam Bush. Adam Bush. I don't think Adam Bush has a rat face. <laughs> I think Warren has a rat face. Do you know that thing, though? Like, I really do... Maybe this is just me, but I really do, like... Like, how awful I find a person kind of, like, affects, I think, like, how I, like, how attractive I find them. Like, I, like, I don't, I don't know. It's really weird. Like, people I really, 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 really detest. It doesn't matter if they are, like, supermodel hot. I'm just like, oh, you are a gross, ugly piece of garbage. Maybe I just see people's inner beauty. Which is weird because I'm really shallow. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, I, I don't think Adam Bush is an unattractive man. I think Warren is an unattractive man, and I think de- part definitely of it is knowing, just definitely the knowing, like what we know about Warren, really does make him, like, if you, like, you think about, like the, uh, like, look at Angel, like Angel, when we see him as Angel with Buffy. We see, like, oh, he's tr- a fighter for good, and he is, like, I mean, he's obviously a stone-called fox. Mm-hmm. But there, I'd argue that when he is Angelus, knowing what we know about him, especially after he kills Jenny Callender, that he, lo- like, you don't look at him and think hot, you look at him and think monster. Like, his vampire face kind of becomes the default face. Yeah. Um, that that being said, there are like there are villains out there that are smoking hot, like like Glory. Yeah. Well, I was so it's so funny because as you were saying that, I was like, I can't agree because I know I know someone's gonna go back to season two and find the receipts of me and by being like, then Angelus murdered someone who <laughs> <it> was sexy. <laughs> I, I maybe I mean he does wear those leather pants. Well, <laughs> I think there's something about. Like, when it's an otherworldly evil, like an Angelus or like a Glory, where I'm like, that doesn't exist in real life. I mean, yes, despicable people like them exist in real life, but, like, they're very much, like, I don't want to say over-the-top. Well, they are. They're over-the-top villains. And they're well-written over-the-top villains. Like, I'm not saying over-the-top in a negative connotation. But I, it, there's, like, a disconnect from reality where someone like Warren, who is so, like, just grossly and openly misogynistic in a way that feels very real. Um, it's like Gaston. Gaston is objectively yeah. good looking, but like, ew, he's so disgusting. Yeah. Um, so. I want to talk about a toxic man. <laughs> right. um, but yes, Spike uh, receives the Buffy bot. She is... Uh, Let's let's round of applause for Sarah. Like, yeah, um, she kills been, it. She's been killing it all season. She has been. Like, this is this is arguably like the best we've seen Sarah Michelle mm-hmm. Gellar in the series this entire season. She's had to yeah. do so much, but yeah, this this episode. It's nice that she does get to take a break from all of the heavy acting and just be the Buffy bot. Yeah. Well. Well, some of it. <laughs> yeah. And she gets a chance to be the Buffy bot. Yeah. Um, the Buffy bot is everything Buffy used to be. Does that feel like an accurate, like, she's chipper, she's bright. 
she's... I don't think... Not necessarily that Buffy was ever like this, but I feel like I'm seeing shades of earlier seasons shine through here. But it really... I I honestly kind of just felt like it was um, Sarah trying to emulate the performance that the Mm. one girl gave who was the original, like, robot that Warren made. Yeah, and she does Um, very well. Yes, she does, and I love that that's what Buffy... Like, Buffy immediately knows that it's a robot. And it's Her like, friends he's talking out. just like that. You guys weren't able to tell that that wasn't me? <laughs> Warren does promise that it's, that it's like, it'll pass, so. Yeah. She's she's chipper. She's bright. She's wearing bright clothing. She's got a skirt. And uh, she is all about that Spike dick. Oh, my God. She and Spike fuck. A lot. A lot. Um, at one point in this scene, we see Spike start to go down on Buffy Bot. There's a later moment where it's very clear that Buffy Bot has just finished giving Spike a blowjob. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's get, let's like just get the discussion of how gross this is out of the way so yeah. that we can enjoy the humor of it. Because mm-hmm. it is funny. But what Spike is doing here is fucking disgusting. Yeah. It's very toxic. Um... It is, I personally do not have any problem with anyone having a sex toy um, of any kind, but it is crossing a line when your sex toy is modeled off of someone whom you know hates you. Yeah. (laughs) There's something very, like, it's not an assault. It isn't, but it's, there's, there's icky consent things going on Mm -hmm. here that I can't define, but I don't like. It's, well, and I think it all kind of comes down to that consent thing. Like, um, Spike has told Buffy that he loves her. Um, Buffy, like, does hate the shit out of Spike um, and uh, finds him just absolutely deplorable. And so Spike basically finds a way around getting consent and makes this surrogate Buffy that is pretty much like I mean even though we knew that um I forget like what the first robot girl's name was um April April even though we knew that April was a robot we still felt bad for her yeah especially near the episode's end um when she and Buffy are having that heart to heart on the swings so you can't help, but even though this is like a robot, like you feel bad for Buffy and you feel bad, like you honestly kind of feel bad for the robot because yeah. I mean, it, it, it is like, it is kind of robbing mm-hmm. um, somebody or in this case, somebody's image of their consent. Yeah. Well, and two, the robots of the Buffyverse, um, Ted originally, then April, and now the Buffy bot. Don't forget Adam. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm forgetting Adam. I'm forgetting Adam. <laughs> delete, delete Adam from memory. Um, oh my god, you haven't replaced my life. <laughs> um, they all have a level of sentience to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted, especially. Yeah. Um, but the Buffy Bot and April do have this level of sentience, and you know, I, I think an argument could be made that they are fully realized individuals you know who would make that argument 
Captain Jean-Luc Picard. I, <laughs> but the fact that they are potentially fully sentient individuals, but who have been programmed basically with the inability to say no mm-hmm. to sex, that that's very disturbing yeah. and very, uh, very upsetting. And, you know... Get, I'm now I'm thinking of Ex Machina and like oh boy that, um, that movie's awesome it's so good but um so yeah all of that is to say that um this is gross the way that the Buffy bot enters our lives is gross and I love the Buffy bot so much and I'm glad she's here yes <laughs> because um, she is fun she is yeah, funny it, yeah it and we can. I think it's okay for us to separate. Yeah, it's this, okay. Separate this yeah, things. and it is okay to think that these scenes with Spike and Buffy, the Buffy bot, are funny just because of the requests that Spike has made and the decisions that he's made for the Buffy bot to make. It's okay to think that that's funny, but also be like, "Oh, this is also really gross." Yeah, yeah. World's um, a complicated place. Damn it, it is. Um. One thing, though, that the Buffy bot got uh, scheduled with, programming, uh, got programmed with, is uh, her insatiable need to fight evil. <laughs> and then she gives possibly the greatest line read of the entire show. <laughs> Vampires of the world, beware. She actually, like, jaunts out of Spike's crypt as he sleeps to go... I, I would argue that that is like on par with uh, you know I love my big beef and cheddar and oh. line reads <laughs> that line read is I, I, I like to joke that like if I find a line reading particularly funny I like to joke it's like oh do you remember when Isabella Rossellini invented comedy <laughs> with that line um, I've said something similar to um, in the first episode of Girls 5 Eva um, Renee Elise Goldsberry's character has a line where she goes, I get paid to shoot geese at the airport. No, shit, I fucked it up. <laughs> Renee Lee Goldberry's character says, I shoot geese at the airport and I get paid by the goose. Yeah, there are just some things. <laughs> Oh no, we lost Jason. We lost Jason. I'm sorry, that's just really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> like even you just saying the line that she said is just really funny. Right? Well, you sh- you shot eight geese today. Here's your check. <laughs> but no, like yeah, no. What the way that Sarah Michelle Geller delivers that line in uh. the Buffy bot voice, and the fact that she's just kind of saying it to no one. Yeah. <laughs> That is objectively funny. Yeah. If you didn't laugh at that, I am... Uh, this may it, not be the podcast for you. It's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm pretty sure it's an 80-yard line. Um, because Buffy is facing away from Yeah, don't, she's on her way out. She's on her way out. We don't see her line. So there's a part of me that wonders if there wasn't a line here originally and it was supposed to be just like a jaunty walkout and then after the fact, like maybe during edits or whatever... They were like, oh, this is awkward. We need some like a line here or something. And someone was like, what if she says, vampires of the world beware? <laughs> like, um, and, um, and 
Sir Michelle Geller picked the absolute best way to to read that so line. Good. So good. But it's not even her best line reading of the episode, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I think you know what yeah. the best one is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Buffybot runs into Xander and Anya while they are patrolling. Oh, we're here. We're at the best line reading. <laughs> uh, we get to see her her meeting Xander and Anya from Buffybot's perspective. Uh, and we see she several... She pulls up the profiles. She's got the profiles. We see some files. There's locate spike. There's like, um, I think like protect spike. There's... Um, all of her routines. All of her routines. Kissing, kissing, like kissing one, kissing two, kissing three, position one, position two, position three. There you go. Um, but we also, when she sees Spike, we get a, like a drop menu <laughs> of, um, oh gosh, please tell me that the, um, the wiki has these. I have to say, like, having a dark fantasy horror show, fantasy horror comedy show, um, go for sci-fi every now and again it is kind of like a 50 50 because mm-hmm. um like you do get um you do get stuff like uh like ted which i would argue is really a, a much better episode mm-hmm. i think we both enjoyed it mm-hmm. um a lot more than we thought we would yeah um and you get like the april bot and the buffy bot but then you have stuff like Moloch and yeah. adam and it's just like it, it's not great. Yeah. Um. So it really is kind of fifty fifty, but this is definitely like the good side of that coin. I agree. I agree. Uh, the wiki unfortunately does not have what the drop down menus are. I know for Xander it has that he's a carpenter, but for Anya, we get ex demon, um, dates Xander and loves money. loves money. Buffy asks her, Anya, how is your money? To which Anya is so delighted in response, fine, thank, thank you, you for, for asking. asking. And then she looks at Xander with this like huge grin, like, oh my gosh, Buffy and I finally are friends. So, <laughs> I, I love that line. In fact, I even like asked if this was the episode that that happened right before it happened. Um, I still got to give the best flat out line read, though, to Vampires of the World, Beware. Okay, all right. Um, okay. But, That's fair. You know... This is a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's a good problem when we can't decide what's the funniest yes. thing. Yes. Um, Spike. Uh, well, Xander and Xander and Anya are confused because they're like, oh, oh yes. you're already back from your vision quest? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Spike does show up and he's like, oh, well, and it's so funny because how is he actually going to like pull this off? Especially with uh, Buffy Bot like grabbing his hand, his hand. <laughs> is like, oh, you know, there are lots of vampires here. It's like, really, we haven't seen any vampires. And then, of course, vampires show up, and he's and Spike's like, yep, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this leads to a little, you know, a little fight scene. Anya gets a steak of vamp. Love mm-hmm. that. Buffy Bot gets a steak of vamp. It's her first vamp staking. Good for her. Um. The but vampires of the world should have. They should beware. Beware. Um, but after they've taken care of this little this little group of vampires, they um, uh, Buffy and Spike, Buffy Bot and Spike are like, you know, go patrol. We'll finish up. And Xander and Anya are like, okay. But then Xander's like, hey, you know, weird. Buffy didn't 
ask about Dawn at all. So they're like, yeah, that's weird. They double back. This is about like as strange as they think things are, right? Because when they when Xander does like come back and see Xander and Anya both yeah. see uh, Buffy bot uh, blanking Spike, and uh, so they freak out. But uh, hold on, hold on a second. Before they freak out, we have to talk about the big bad. Oh God, yes. Buffy bot is. is Reverse cowgirl? Is that what that position is? Buffy's on top. Yeah. Um, yes, that is reverse cowgirl. Okay. I was like, I don't remember what it's called when it's when there's a lady involved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, honestly, I, don't know. I don't know what that position's called when it's two men. I just know bottom on top. Um, All right, I'm about to really fuck up my search history. <laughs> NSA... Heads up, because I am kind of wondering, like, what is the the history of reverse cowgirl? Well, what's the standard cowgirl? Because, uh, um, like, you know, I see that, and that's like, and I feel like I hear reverse cowgirl more than I hear actual mm-hmm. cowgirl. So, um, yeah. Uh, wow, that is um. What. <laughs> I looked at like an article that says what is reverse cowgirl? It's on WebMD. <laughs> oh no. In reverse cowgirl, the person receiving penetration sits on top of their partner, uh-huh. but instead of sitting face to face, they face away toward their partner's feet. So this oh, is just cowgirl. Oh. So this is standard cowgirl. This is, so Buffy and Spike are doing standard cowgirl. Yeah. But it's weird because I feel like I hear reverse cowgirl a lot more in pop culture. Yeah, I, well, I feel um, like I feel like reverse cowgirl is used interchangeably. I feel like Bet- fair enough. Like yeah. you know what I mean. Um, the person on top obviously can control the pace, rhythm, and depth of penetration. Well, that's what Buffy and Spike are doing. Yeah. Buffy, Bot, and Spike are doing. Um, and uh, references to the reverse cowgirl can be found as far back in history as the Kama Sutra. I mean, I feel like a lot of yeah. sex positions are um, found in, in the there. In the ancient text, reverse cowgirl is known as the Tigress. I love that. I, I do too. I love that. I don't love that it's so gendered, but, you know, it's an ancient text, so I'll allow it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I it's don't... funny that they go for, like, all the freaky sex stuff, but not like the, oh, but what if it were two guys? <laughs> Ew! Yeah. Listen, I know a lot of male bottoms who would love to be called the tigress. Anyway. Uh, I probably do as well, but <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, Spike is being referred to by Buffy uh, during this as the big bad. And uh, if you remember, when Spike first comes back after the Gem of Amara episode in season four... Before he's unceremoniously zapped by the initiative, he does say the big bad is back. So he is obsessed with his with penis. that moniker. <laughs> well, I mean, all guys are pretty much obsessed with their penises. I am obsessed with my penis. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. <laughs> I would do anything for my penis. Oh, I would do anything for you. <laughs> um... Back at the, uh, uh, at Xander's apartment, 
um, they uh, Willow has arrived, and uh, Dawn has gone to bed. But uh, Xander and Anya fill in. Uh, oh God! Oh no! I wish I hadn't said that. Oh. Xander, oh, this episode's just been a laugh riot. Xander and Anya deliver the information to Willow and Tara. And Tara, before she finds out what it is, is just like, you know, before we get too judgmental, you know, we need to know people go through, going through grief, do some really weird things. You know, I did a lot of things I'm not proud of after my mother died. Lied to my family. Lied to my family, stayed out all night. Um, I'm picturing this, like, version of Tara doing this, but it's like, like, remember when Britta uh, put that blue streak in her hair? Yeah, it dark. got dark. It got, that's like what I imagine Tara's like version of like really you know, like. Um, then uh, Anya interrupts her and says like, "Yeah, she's boinking Spike," funny. and just the look of revulsion on both of their faces. Yeah. And uh, okay, so this it bothers me a little bit though. Like it is funny when Tara is like, you know, Willow tries to waffle and Tara's like, "No, she's nuts." It is funny, and Amber Benson's delivery is is good. It's a moment that rings very false for me from Tara. It would have rung any of the other characters if they'd said it. I would have been like, um, I would have accepted it. But from Tara, it was re- it's really harsh. I I do buy her concern. I don't buy the fact that she would call Buffy nuts. I'd say she would be like, oh, this is. This is very concerning that Buffy's doing this, you know, I'm... But I, I don't... I don't know. I th- Do you know what I mean? Well, so the thing is, like, the fact that it's not normally something that Tara would say, that kind of, like, is what made it funny for me. Agreed. Yeah, like, it, it's kind of like, um... It's kind of like having little kids say fuck. <laughs> it is... It's funny. It is a cheat code for humor for me. And, uh, it... Yeah, so, like, the fact that we we almost always see Tara in like this kind role she's not obvious like a lot of her jokes that she tell are really tame so to have her just be like oh no she's nuts like i thought that was pretty funny i agree that um, it, i agree that it's funny and i agree that you're the reason it's funny is mm-hmm. you're, is accurate but it just it i don't know if this were about if it, if we hadn't just had her relating this very serious thing, this is the thing I love Jane. I love Jane, <laughs> but I do think Jane will sometimes sacrifice characterization for a punchline, and sometimes yeah. that's okay. Some like sometimes that's and sometimes that the only reason a punchline works is because like we said the person's work. But this was a moment where I, I I guess I just didn't need a punchline here. And to relate it to Tara's feelings about her mother's death and how seriously that's been taken just felt in poor taste to me. I mean, Not that I felt is, like this whole episode. Yeah, the, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky tightrope to walk. Oh, it because, totally is. I mean, we are trying to find humor in the wake of like a main character losing their parent, mm-hmm. who's been a supporting character on the show for four and a half years. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's this particular joke just falls on the wrong side of that line for me. It's not a deal breaker. It's not the end of the world. I just wanted to point it out that I just it it like I did laugh. So I, like it can't be like can't come down too hard on it because mm-hmm. it did get a laugh out of me. 
But I was also just like, oh, I just don't believe Tara would say that. Say that. Or say that in that way. Mm-hmm. She does immediately kind of walk it back and say, like, all the things I wanted her to say of, like, you know, we have to make sure she's okay and, like, you know, we have to make sure she's safe uh, and all of this. Um, but, uh, so Xander decides that he's going to go sort this out. Um, just figure out what's up. Cause he is worried about Buffy and, yeah. um, so here's the thing. You have a friend who's gone through a very traumatic loss and they end up in a situation that um, could be very, like, you know, not so great for them, whether it is, like, uh, having sex with a dangerous person or maybe, like, smoking too much or drinking too much or whatever. This fresh from the wound, how would you go about that? So, it would depend. Um, Because I was thinking about this. I was, uh, as... We'll say, what Xander does is probably the best move that he could have done because he doesn't go and confront Buffy about it. Yeah. Or who he thinks is Buffy. He goes to Spike and says, hey man, this is what you're doing. You're taking advantage of it. And that right there is why I appreciate it. Because there was a moment where I was like, ooh, Xander, you're on thin ice with us always. But like, (laughs) it's the sort of thing with Xander, right? Where even when his intentions are good, sometimes it's like, but you're going about this in the wrong way. And here I was like, no, I think he's absolutely right. Because from his perspective of what he thinks is happening with the information that he has, Spike is taking advantage of his friend. Mm -hmm. And I think it's totally justified for him to do this. Um, I, it it just depends on the situation. Yeah. I guess in this case, it's, it seems fairly, it seems like a fairly easy decision. Like if somebody else is involved besides your grieving friend, you can, like, go to that somebody else right. and say, like, hey, here's the problem. But, like, say if your friend turns to a bad habit, like, drinking or something like something that, that's... It's it's difficult. Yeah. You know, if I have someone who, it, you know, some they, they lose someone and part of what they are, deal with is, you know, hooking up with an ex of theirs. Yeah, I might be like, oh, that's maybe not the healthiest way to handle it, but... I'm probably not going to insert myself there unless there's, like, a level of abuse or something involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's a situation where you just kind of have to take all the factors and, like, kind of play out for yourself. Like, is my friend in danger? Is my friend, like, seriously in danger of hurting themselves or being hurt by this person that they're associating with in themselves? Um, you know, in this kind of state of impaired judgment, uh, you know, clouded by grief. Yeah. Um, and if there is, I think if there's an immediate danger to them or to others, then yes, I think you have to involve yourself, even if it's uncomfortable. But I mean, if, if it's something that they're just going to, if they're going to, you know, two weeks go, God, I regret doing that. Hmm. You know, the the desire to stop them might be strong, but that might be a situation where it's best to say, are you sure that's a good idea? And if they say, yeah, I'm going to do it, go, okay, I'll be here for you. Like, so- sometimes you have to let people make those mistakes. 
Yeah. It, you know. And also, like, that kind of ties into how I said, like, uh, I feel like I said it a few weeks ago. Of, like, if somebody's, like, just, if somebody's just, like, puking into a toilet after getting drunk, like, the last thing you want to do is just be, like, oh, man, like, see, this what's is why you shouldn't you? have. Yeah. yeah, what's wrong with you? You shouldn't have done that. Like, don't, don't kick somebody while they're down. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky situation, and it sometimes, is. like, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you, um, like, for like Xander, he doesn't have all the information. He doesn't know that this isn't Buffy. He doesn't know that he has no reason to be concerned right now. Well, not no reason, yeah. but what he's concerned about the wrong thing. <laughs> um, speaking of being concerned about the wrong thing, uh, Glory's minions see the fight in the cemetery and notice that the Buffy bot went out of her way to protect Spike. So they run their little legs back to Glory and relay this information. And she's like, bring him to me. <laughs> like, uh, I like how you did that. <laughs> bring him to me. Um, that was a good Glory channel right there. I, I love her so much. Um, I've had to switch over to my phone for this, uh, for the wiki because my laptop was, that fan was whirring. Could you hear it? <laughs> oh, I thought that was like something from the other No, room. that was my laptop. Okay. Sometimes the wiki, I don't, I think it's the fact that the, the wiki has like 84,000 ads yeah. on it sometimes when GarageBand, which is a really big program. And the wiki are going at the same time. Sometimes it's just... It's like, oh, it's too much. It's just too much. Um, so, uh, Spike... I guess we've, we've really kind of just already talked this through. Spike goes to the crypt where he's encountered by Xander. I wasn't successful at saving that one. Uh, Xander goes to Spike's crypt. He uh, Spike goes to the crypt to get his blowjob. He from, gets his blowjob. Buffy bot. Uh, and fortunately, it looks like he gets finished up uh, just in time for when Xander walks in. Yeah. Um, who knows what would have happened? Um, you know what I'm I saying? feel like Spike is open for a lot of things, but I don't think he's open to anything with Xander. Fair enough. Um, he just really doesn't like <laughs> really Xander. Doesn't like him. So Buffy, uh, but the Buffy bot hides in like the lower level of the crypt as Xander arrives. And yeah, Xander's like, you know, you're taking care, you're taking advantage of Buffy and, you know, I love Buffy and I'm going to protect her even if that means fucking killing you. And, um, excuse me, Spike does kind of play it off that this is the real Buffy Mm -hmm. because he doesn't want anybody to know that he's got a Buffy bot. Um, I agree. I, I think it's partially that, but I also think he gets a like a sixth sense of pleasure out of making Xander think that it's the yeah. real Buffy. Yeah, that that uh, tracks. I I think both. What a toxic I, man. What, like, it's like I think both of those things are true. Like, um, because he literally could have just been like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But no, he's like, yeah, what about it? I'm fucking the slayer. It's like, hey, if she, hey, if she wants to come to me while she's grieving, then let her. Yeah. Um, and this is an instance where I would say, yes, I think it is appropriate to intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, Spike is an evil monster who wants to kill her. Uh, the fact that he currently is unable to doesn't really factor in. Yeah. Zader does have to remind, 
like it, Spike says, like I'm not a monster. He's like, yes, you are. <laughs> Vampires are monsters. They make monster movies out of you. Great line. Fair point. Great line. <laughs> um. Uh, that's when some uh, hobbits with leprosy arrive. <laughs> it's so funny because it's so true. I mean, I. I, when I look at them, and it might be because of like the robes that they wear, I think of Gargamel from the Smurfs. Oh, so much Gargamel! Like, yeah, like the, it's like a whole bunch of Gargamels with leprosy. Gargamels. The leprosy comment that holds accurate, true. Accurate. There's definitely. Uh, I, I guarantee. I, I guarantee that lepre- hobbits with leprosy is someone behind the scenes, some crew member or cast member referred to them that way, and. One of the writers heard that and went, oh, write it down. <laughs> um, but they bust in to the crypt. Uh, they knock Xander aside, but not out because he needs to hear important information to relay to the rest of the team. Uh, because they uh, they subdue Spike. Uh, and they're like, we're taking you back to our hot sexy boss this the is, key and he's like what this is definitely um the scene that is the most funniest if you imagine the glory's minions as the minions from despicable me <laughs> <laughs> like they're dragging him but like they have to stand on top of each other to be able to hold his arms yeah <laughs> And like they're definitely doing that like babbling they do, but they <laughs> but the word you can understand they definitely say key at some point. Key, 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 key. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Um So we we've been talking about all this uh Buffy bot action, but what about the actual Buffy? Yeah, I'm like this is not I, the wiki well, I mean, I remember what happens. <laughs> I know. I, I remember what happens. I'm just realizing the wiki is not... Uh... It's taking its sweet time. So, well, it's... I think... Okay. Let's visit the desert. Because, yeah, we've definitely skipped over some stuff. Uh, they arrive in the desert, Buffy and Giles, wearing clothes that are inappropriate for the desert in the daytime. Uh, but so are fine in the here, nighttime. Here's the thing. I have seen movies where people wear um, certain outfits in the desert that are, like, very layered. Mm -hmm. And I think it might be to cover them from the sun. Okay. Um, I at first thought this sort of the same thing, too. Obviously, like, it it helps when you're bundled up for the night. Um, So... Yeah, I I feel like I'd have to. I I get the coverage. That sweater Buffy's wearing is thick though and long. It's yeah. Like it's a, it's a sweater coat. Um, but uh, they arrive. Uh, Buffy Giles explains that he has to do the sacred ritual. Um, and the ritual will transfer, uh, basically guidance for Buffy from him into the guide that but, she will meet. Um, yeah, and he makes a, a circle, and he mm-hmm. has to. Put his whole self in, put his whole self out, put his whole self in, and then shake the gourd about. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. That is what it's That's all such about. a great, that's also a good de- line delivery for, for Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and great physical comedy out of uh, yeah. Tony Head. It, it looks like, it, it looks like he, he read like the, the stage, or he read the, um, 
what is it stage direction stage direction yeah and um he uh it looked like he had just read them for the first time and he's like oh because uh-huh. you can tell that he he plays a very annoyed Giles that he has to do this and look a little ridiculous in front of Buffy. Indeed. And it's great. It, it, it is comedy. Um, the ritual does work. Yeah. Uh, so actually, we're good. That actually catches us up um, for, I for the just, moment. I figured at this point we just tackle the rest of the... Sure. Because, like, I mean, all we have left is this scene with the first Slayer. Well, we first get, um, we get a brief moment where oh. she is guided by, like, a leopard. I don't think it's a leopard. A leopard has spots. That's right. It, I think a mountain lion. Yeah. Like a mountain lion or Uma. cougar. <laughs> um, but yes, this guides her to a fire where, yes, she is greeted by Sinea, the first Sinea. slayer. Um, although it is, um, the dialogue suggests that it's not Sinea herself. Uh, but the guide has taken on the form of her, and, and, which makes sense. Yeah, and it does. And Sinea does say, "Like, I'm here to answer your question." Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it's not necessarily her. Yeah. Um. Buffy tells her that she's concerned. Uh, it's all the stuff we already know. She's concerned. She's unable to love. Uh, and the guide tells her, Sinea tells her that she, she doesn't just love. Like, she's full of love. She's full of love. She's like the best at love. Um, and that love. Nobody loves like Gaston. <laughs> um, but that love will lead her to her gift. And what gift is that, Jason? Death is her gift. Buffy does not take kindly to this, uh to this she well, I mean, is very upset to the hear the first thing that she says is like my mother just died mm-hmm. you can't say something like that yeah and she says like trust me death is not a gift but that's all Sinea say yeah will say before disappearing yeah she tells her that you know i yes i kill demons if that makes the world a better place but it's not a gift um because she's very much in spite of in spite of what Kendra was telling, in spite of what Kendra and Faith have told her in the past, she's always kind of viewed being the Slayer as a bit of a curse. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and she's really, really tried to differentiate that line between Slayer and Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so one of the good things that came out of the initiative story, <laughs> indeed. Uh, so death is Buffy's gift. Let's I'll put that. Uh, if, if Dawn saw that, she'd pick it right up and put it in her pocket. Um, so the minions take Spike back to Glory. She, and they're like, the key! And she's like, it's a vampire. It's a fucking vampire, you nerds. (laughs) Um, but when they, when they explain that, uh, the Buffy bot had, protected her or protected spike above all others she's like okay torture but before torture blue dress glory's wearing a blue dress we've never seen glory wear blue before i prefer her in blacks and reds but goddamn well i mean she looked good claire kramer is <laughs> the kind of person who could probably like look good in a potato sack 
She looks so good. But yeah, she... Oh, we also learned that vampires aren't even good for brain sucking. Um, that's super relevant, but it's just like a fun little piece of yeah, world so building. He's useless. He's, Spike's like, all right, well then I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do love the way she like pats him on the chest. Like, he's totally useless. <laughs> Um, and um, we want to talk about stellar line delivery. Uh-huh. Um, Claire Kramer knocks every single line out, out of the out, park. Yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your park. It, it's a, it's a <laughs> steal my park. <laughs> um, the Buffy bot uh, freaks out about Spike, completely ignores the unconscious Xander, and um, rushes out of the apart or out of the crypt, uh, but goes to. <laughs> Xander's apartment to enlist some help. Uh, Willow speaks to the Buffy bot. Um, we get Willow's like little drop-down menu. Best friend, uh, which gay, 1999 to present, um, likes computers. Um, I feel like we're really trying to drudge up the gay now conversation again. Uh, uh, it doesn't bother me this week because it's coming from Buffy Bot. Yeah. The context is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but yeah, she's like, she's explaining like, like Buffy's like, or Willow's like, you can't, you know, you can't do this. You can't sleep with Spike. And Buffy Bot's like, oh, I didn't sleep with Spike. And Buffy, Willow's like, oh, thank God. She's like, I had sex with Spike. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. <laughs> in many different in many different ways. I could draw sketches. <laughs> well, like not like I can describe it. Nope. She immediately jumps to visual aids. <laughs> yeah. Um she uh Yeah, but Will is like not having it. Uh this is when Buffy the Buffy bot is like, You're my best friend. You're recently gay. Um That's when Xander arrives and explains that Glory has kidnapped Spike. Uh, the rest of the gang, they are all like, oh my god, that's bad. Spike knows that Glory, is the, the Dawn is the key. And will tell. Yeah. Uh, but of course the Buffy bot is like, we have to rescue Spike. Um, I have weapons in my house. <laughs> so yes. they're like, yeah, let's go and let's go and get reinforced with some weapons. They notice that the Buffy bot is at the Buffy's house, where it's mysteriously day now. Also, they, uh-huh. they do walk in, and Buffy bot says, "This, this is, is my, my house." house. <laughs> Good line. Um, but they are like fo- they really focus on the fact that Buffy bot is really zeroing in on rescuing Spike and not what's more important. Uh, so Willow kind of suggests she goes upstairs to get more weapons while they discuss the situation. They're like, "Okay, we need to have an intervention right now. Like this is very serious." Um, that is when the real Buffy <laughs> arrives home for the titular intervention. Yes. And they're like, uh, you know, Buffy's like, we need to talk to you. And Buffy's like, what's wrong? Is Don okay? And they're like, Don's fine, but we just want to talk to you about what's going on with you. We want you to know there's no blame. And Buffy's like, blame? Excuse me? And that's when Anya just... Alice with it. She's like, we know you're having sex with Spike. Buffy's response is uh, basically a... a Who's doing what with who now? Yeah. So it was like a series of uh, <laughs> syllables. Um, and Xander's like... And I, I'm not to quote this, but I'm quoting it. But he's like, you know, I get it. He's like mysterious and well-muscled and, you know, all this. And Buffy's like, I'm not having sex with Spike. But I'm starting to think you might be. 
<laughs> the Spike Xander relationship is a very interesting one, to say the least. It's it's definitely like weirdly filled with sexual tension, but like, but like the kind that is never going to get touched. Like even would you when say they... that this is like a kind of gay agenda this week? It is. Okay. It is. Yeah. But like even the moment when they're like when Xander's like got Spike and they're like, it's like it's. Listen, they're secretly in love, but they will never admit it. Will never admit it. No, mm-hmm. they're not. Uh, <laughs> gross. I couldn't even. I couldn't even pretend to believe that was true. Uh, but this is when the Buffy bot comes downstairs. By the way, that fan fiction exists. Oh, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Uh, the Buffy bot comes downstairs. Uh, everyone's like, "What the fuck?" Xander's like, "I know." They're both Buffy. <laughs> nice callback. Yes, to uh, when Xander was split into two. Yes. Uh, but Buffy's like, no, you absolute fucking dipshit. <laughs> She's a robot. I, I do love that Buffy immediately knew. Yeah. Like, I mean, she didn't even jump to like, a, oh, this is a demon masquerading as me. She's like, this is a robot. Yeah. I, it's, it's so funny because it's like... The comedy of this episode hinges on the fact that they don't recognize this as a robot, despite the fact that when they met April, they all were like, robot. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So, I I appreciate that Buffy in this moment is like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) You couldn't tell me apart from a fucking robot? Um, That's exactly what the dialogue would have been if this show had been on HBO. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Anya's like, she's very well done, at which point the Buffy bot like smiles at her. Uh, the Buffy bot also tells Buffy that they're both very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man. Uh, I, I feel like um, Anya and the Buffy bot are going to go rob a bank together. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> oh, I would love that for them. Uh, they all realize that this robot was probably built by Warren. Probably for Spike. And definitely for sex. Yep. It's gross. But they don't have time to dwell on it because that's when the Buffy bot is like, we have to rescue Spike from glory. And Buffy's like, what the fuck? Like, oh yeah, we were getting to that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We had to to clear up this robot thing real fast, but... Not a great week for the awareness of the Scoobies, (laughs) right? You know what? We'll cut them some slack. We're going to cut them some slack. Um, They they say they don't even know where to look. Um, but Buffy has an idea. She takes them to... Where Rodney was? Uh, where Rodney was. R.I.P. Rodney. Um, and they, they split into teams. Uh, it should be noted that Tara got left behind to babysit Dawn. I would say that more appropriately, Anya or Xander would have been the better choices. Tara has magical powers and they Mm -hmm. do not. But one of these characters has a series, or, or some of these characters are series regulars and the others are not. So yeah, and, that's uh, how screen uh, time and, is divvied up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Giles is going to basically watch the babysit the Buffy bot. I'm who, sorry, who? Who calls him Giles. I was like, and, Giles? Who's Giles? And, and Giles is like, wait a minute. Spike didn't even bother to program the, pro- the correct way to pronounce my name. Yeah. And, uh, and... Buffy's like, all right, guys, split up. Giles, I mean, Giles. Giles? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. let's go to uh, Spike getting tortured. Yeah. Dude Spike's is getting, getting tortured. He he's... got fingered. Listen, I, I know. I'm... And I need to clarify that right away. By getting fingered, <laughs> yes. I mean, Glory threw him on the bed. 
and then stuck her finger into his guts. Yeah. Like, it, it's not an enjoyable uh, fingering. Well, I guess maybe there are people who are So, I'm going to... This is... Guts was not the right word to use there. Uh, because... Okay, I'm going to teach you a phrase. Uh-oh. So, you're not going to like it, but I'm going to teach it to you anyway. So, sometimes when um, someone wants to receive anal sex... Uh, the a phrase that might be used to the person they want to receive it from is like, come over here and rearrange my guts. <laughs> you know, I think I have heard that yes. before, but I think it might have been only once and I didn't like think of it in that context. That's what it means. Okay. So when you were, you were like, I don't mean it in a sexual way. And if you use that word, I was like, oh, you accidentally said it in a sexual way. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Um, she sticks her finger through his chest yeah. and then just starts like wriggling. Yeah. Um, which, you know, even if you're an undead vampire, that still fucking hurts. Yeah. Uh, they've got him chained up. They've beaten him pretty bad. Um, we're going to talk about sexy wounds later. One would argue that he is covered in I would, sexy wounds. I actually, even though it's, it's funny, this is like the only time it's appropriate for me to bring this up these are actually really not sexy wounds like they're really brutal yeah spike does not look great he does not look good at the end of this like a sexy wound is like a cut above the eyebrow or like it's more of like a singular thing it's a singular thing that's easy to patch up but still requires somebody else to patch up. uh-huh and requires a shirt to be off or something like that um even if it's a cut above the eye even if it's cut above the eye <laughs> Um, and it needs to not. It makes have... me think of that doctor who, no matter on Scrubs, that no matter what oh, you're yeah. for, he would always tell you to take your pants off. Yeah. It's like, doctor, I've got this migraine. Like, all right, take your pants off. <laughs> um, Spike also has excessive bruising, and like a little bit of bruising is okay for sexy wounds, but this is a lot. So these are not sexy wounds, despite what Buffy will say later. Yeah. Uh, but they've got him chained up. They're they. They are beating him badly. Glory is beating him badly. Yeah. The minions are also there. Um, but he he's like, okay, I'll tell you who the key is. He's that guy from the television. You have set show where they guess the prices. And then one of the minions is like, the price is right. <laughs> Bob Barker. We, we will bring, bring you the, Bob Barker. We will bring you the beaten and limp body of Bob Barker. Why Bob Barker, do you think? Why did the writers choose Bob Barker? Is it because Bob Barker is very fun to say? Notice how much I'm saying Bob Barker right now. Um, I, I feel like at the time, I'd say, let's see. Do you remember when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire um, premiered? Um, I mean, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire has been around for a long well, time. Well, th- when it premiered with Regis Philbin as the host. Um, because I feel like at the time... Probably the most well-known game show hosts were Bob Barker, um, Pat Sajak, and uh, and Alex Trebek. And of those, like Bob Barker's, like the most established. I mean, yeah. guy did Prices Right for decades. Yeah. Um. So I would say just like one, it's funny, and two, nineteen ninety-nine. Okay, so. At this point, like, Regis Philbin is also there, so it actually wouldn't have surprised me if, like, because Millionaire got really popular yeah. when Regis Philbin came back to host it in primetime. Um, I would say that, 
Bob Barker's like easily the most recognizable out mm-hmm. of like game show hosts. It's funny. I mean, he was also in Happy Gilmore in quite possibly one of the greatest mm-hmm. movie scenes ever made in which he beats the shit out of Adam Sandler. Um, Good for him. Have you never seen Happy Gilmore? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Can we watch it sometime? Yeah. Well, I also think Bob Barker's funny because it's two Bs. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> alliteration alliteration, is, alliteration is funny. Yes. Um, you know what's funnier? Assonance. <laughs> um, well, speaking of asses, uh, I know that's not what you said, but it's how I'm making this transition work. It works. Uh, Spike starts, uh, Spike manages to loosen his chains a bit and starts, uh, uh, well, first, Glory's like, Bob Barker's not the fucking key. <laughs> um, but the key is new, and Bob Barker is old as what? Grit. Old as grit. <laughs> uh, but you know, that means that at some point in her time hanging out in that mansion, she's watched the prices. She's right. watched the prices right, which I mean, with what, the minions. Which I mean, what else are you gonna do at eleven o'clock on a on a uh, weekday afternoon? Right. She's like, Ben's shift's gonna start soon. <laughs> I have to. Um, we actually should mention at the beginning of the episode, Glory is still pissed that Ben stabbed uh, one of her minions. She does consider Ben an enemy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, she says the like. She's a cast-out god from a hell dimension, and she's trapped sharing a body with an enemy. Yeah. Um, so, Spike starts shit-talking Glory. He's like, you're a dumbass. You, and it just, he, you know, this monologue that ends. Like, he, he, he bashes her hair. Her hair. He bashes her ass. Her ass. He calls, he tells her that the Slayer is gonna kick her skanky, lopsided ass. Rude. Yeah, and, and, and effective. Also, and also, Glory does, Glory checks. Glory does check just to make sure that her ass isn't lopsided. Yeah, but um, this is one of those things about Glory that I love that she this works. This pisses her off. She roundhouse kicks Spike, uh, who, as I mentioned, has managed to loosen the chains a bit. So. Uh, it wasn't he, a roundhouse kick. That was a push front kick. Ah, he push front kicks. She push cut. Fuck it. She <laughs> kicks him. <laughs> out the fucking room. And she's like, God damn it. Yeah, a roundhouse, a roundhouse kick comes in from the side. Okay. Like, this was like straight on. Okay. Kicks him back. Well, it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spike manages. Nothing to- lopsided about that ass. Yeah. Uh, Spike manages to get himself uh, on top of the elevator. He doesn't get in, but he manages to pry open the doors and fall into the shaft on top of the elevator. That shaft. Shaft. Uh, <laughs> and then into the elevator proper. Uh, and once in the lobby, the minions try to intercept him. And that is when Buffy bought, uh, or Buffy and Xander arrive, uh, shortly followed by Buffy Bot and Giles. A scuffle ensues. Excuse me. Um, and they are able to, uh, rescue Spike and, uh, fight the minions back. But the, uh, the minion, uh, the minions do damage the Buffy bot. They in do. The process. Poor Buffy bot. Um, Spike is, uh, so, um, and we find out that, uh, Xander and Giles get him to his crypt. Yeah. They, uh, Spike and Xander return to the magic box and 
say that they took Spike back to his crypt. They were not able... They tried to find out if he had given Dawn up, uh, but he was too incoherent. Um, Willow is studying the Buffy bot. Um, a little too a much. Little too much. Um, uh, Anya's also studying the Buffy bot. She does not care for it. She would prefer to look at guts. Mm. <laughs> um, and rearrange them. <laughs> and rearrange them. That might be why guts was in my head. Yeah, that's um, a good point. But uh, Buffy's like, I have to know. Um, so if, and, and we should like also mention that uh the minions do go back to okay. glory and they're like the slayer it was like she was everywhere because there was <laughs> yep there was buffy and the buffy bot and uh doesn't sound like this conversation goes well for these minions nope they very much probably get flayed yeah but uh buffy's like i have to know if he gave us up because if not we have to get out of here now mm-hmm. um Xander makes a comment about, like, you know, he actually kind of feels bad for Spike uh, because Spike took such a beating um, and and he's going to lose his favorite toy. And Buffy's like, are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, no, I, he's like, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying, like, she really beat the shit out of him. Um, and this gives Buffy an idea. So we cut to Spike's script where, yes, the shit has been beaten well out of him. Uh, and Buffy enters, pretending to be the Buffy bot. And uh, what's so good about this is uh, her performance as Buffy and the Buffy bot are so distinct. You can tell when it is Buffy pretending to yes. be the Buffy bot Ugh. and not Sarah Michelle Gellar being the Buffy bot. Exactly. It, it's very, it is very similar to, I think we said the exact same thing, about Allison Hannigan back in Doppelgangland. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but she, yes, she compliments Spike on his sexy wounds. And she's like, uh, you know, what? why did you let that, that lady beat on you? And he's like, well, she wanted to know who the key was. And I wouldn't tell her. And Buffy's like, well, I'll go tell her. And he's like, no. And he, he explains that, um, you know, if anything happened to Dawn... It would be devastating to Buffy, and he can't bear to see her go through something like that. And he's very genuine. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment for Spike and for James Marster's performance. Um, and that's when Buffy drops the act, kisses well, him. Yeah, she kisses him, and that's when Spike realizes that it's not the Buffy bot yeah. and he should know because he's had his mouth all over that Buffy bot <laughs> yeah, in the all past, over. over the past day. Yeah. And she starts to leave and he's like the robot. And she's like, the robot was gross and obscene and fucking disgusting. Fuck you, you piece of shit. And then she says, but what you did for me and Dawn, that was real. And she leaves. Spike's moved. And the episode ends. Mm -hmm. So is that like three steps back, two steps forward for Spike this week? (laughs) Like The Buffy bot is a lot of steps back. It's a lot of steps back. But being... I mean, it's Buffy's right. It is not insignificant that he withstood so much torture to protect her and Dawn. Yeah, um... I don't really agree 
with Buffy's decision to kiss him. I agree. I or I agree that I disagree. Yeah. Um. It. 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 It doesn't feel like it. It feels like Spike would take the wrong. It's very easy to take the wrong things from that. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, just, it also just doesn't seem like Buffy, no matter how grateful she is to Spike, is in a place where she would kiss him. Yeah. Um. Uh, on the lips. Yeah. I maybe would accept this if it was a kiss on the cheek. Yeah, it, it, something it, like that. Yeah, it, it feels it doesn't feel like the right thing to do mm-hmm. at that moment. I think something physically intimate here would be appropriate, but a kiss on the lips is too far. A kiss on the cheek, maybe a hand on the shoulder, or like a hand, like a hand on the face, or yeah. something like that to indicate gratefulness without being. Yeah, this is a step too so far. So intimate. Yeah, yeah, like be, I mean, because. If I had found out that somebody had made a sex robot of me, <laughs> well, I hate to admit it, but I'd probably be flattered. Um, but uh, but that's your prerogative. To yeah, be yeah. But like, given the way that Buffy's acted to all of Spike's advances at this point, and Buffy's reaction to Spike having made the Buffy bot, it doesn't seem like that would be something that she would do. So that that doesn't feel right to me. And um, despite the fact that this scene is a really good overall implication to it that kiss kind of ruined it a little mm-hmm. bit um which okay which kiss upsets you more this kiss or uh ray and kylo ren in rise of skywalker that that kiss made me so mad that kiss made me so fucking mad i guess like i never got too mad at that because that movie was. Were just you just all... already mad? Yeah, at the no. Movie. Like, at that point, like we're at the end of the movie, and it had just been bad. Yeah, it had just been like, oh, let's let's make all like the whiny Star Wars fans happy and erase as much of the Last Jedi as we can, and make like a shitty movie in the process. Oh man, what a dumpster fire! It really was. Like I, you know, I always joke that Attack of the Clones is the nadir of the Star Wars films Mm -hmm. um i can't say the star wars franchise there's some bad shit out there (laughs) but um honestly i feel like ranking the movies at the very least attack of the clones is an important chapter to an ongoing story throughout the prequel trilogy prequel trilogy is like the only one that tells like a consistent story throughout Mm -hmm. um skywalker just bad like yeah. i can't think of a single thing that redeems it but this isn't a star wars podcast no. <laughs> um so the kiss does not work it's, it's yeah yeah like i it's not a good kiss and the in either case yeah. uh, in either rise of skywalker or this yeah um but yeah uh so that kind of like that might affect my scoring just because That's this fair. is an important yeah this is an important scene however i have to say this was a Overall, like, you do have to make a lot of allowances for the type of humor that is told here. Yes. Um, I feel like a younger person would say, oh, they'd never make... Um, kind of like when I was telling you about this YouTuber that I was... Um, mm-hmm. That I like following. Uh, he recently made, like, a Buffy tier list. Um, and He'd finished the Buffy series. Note, he had not watched Angel at all. Um, and he was ranking like the characters and he said the worst character in all of Buffy is Angel and Angelus. Like Angelus is just the worst version of Angel. And I feel like he's coming at it with a very 
literal mindset Mm -hmm. and not like seeing and it was very interesting to hear him say that because um i mean dude was reviewing books for a living for a while so it's it's like you you kind of miss the forest for the trees i think that's the proper usage of that term yeah um but yeah i feel like this is something that a lot of younger audiences might say like oh this is creepy this is bad this is a bad episode but i feel like you I feel like you have to make certain allowances for certain humor to go forward. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, and, and this is when I have to be really careful when I say, cause there is like, there is bad humor out mm-hmm. there and like humor that should not be pursued. Anything Dave Chappelle does. Um, uh, that was the first thing that came yeah. to mind. Cause literally like one of the worst things involving comedy at the moment. Um, but there is like problematic stuff in this, but I feel like it's done in service of the comedy and is not done. It's never done to say that this is a good thing. I think, no, I know what you're you're saying. And it's not even just comedy. Um, We are getting into what I quite frankly think is a very dangerous place of saying you can't show any, you can't depict anything problematic. You can't, um, I saw a discussion on Twitter the other day that was making me so bad about the movie Juno, about uh, Jason Bateman's character, and people being like, "It's so his character is so fucked up and problematic and creepy," and it's like, "Yes, that is the point. That's the point. Yeah. That's the story." And they were like, "Well, that doesn't matter," and I'm like, "Yeah, it does. Yes, if the movie were portraying the relationship between Juno and whatever his name is as something cool and fun and quirky, Polly, um, Polly Bleaker." No, that's uh, Michael Sarah. That's the boyfriend. Oh, oh, oh! You mean Jason Bateman's character? Yeah, because they have that weird like, yeah, friendship that Mm -hmm. crosses some boundaries. But at the by the end of the movie, like part of Juno's arc and maturity is that she realizes that this relationship is not okay, and this man is not a person I want to be around. But literally, people were just well, just by portraying it, like you're in you're endorsing this kind of behavior, and it's like depiction is not endorsement. That this is episode. that's actually how I feel about some of the things in Game of Thrones that people get really mad about, um, because the things that it's the things that a lot of people have gotten mad about, like the depictions of sexual violence and stuff, they're done by awful people. Right, like nobody ever. If you are coming away from that thinking that like, oh, clearly this means that like this means that it's okay to go out and like be sexually violent towards somebody you have a problem that needs to be addressed by therapy exactly yeah like it is not and i will say just i'll put i put my own little caveat on game of thrones i don't think game of thrones was always super responsible about its portrayal of sexual violence but it was never endorsing it yeah um and that's the thing it's here it is very clear that spike's actions are not okay nobody is out like, Spike is a villain. Yes, he ha- is a sympathetic villain at times. And yes, he does heroic things in this episode. But literally, at the end of the episode, we have our main character say, the robot was not okay. Fuck you over this robot. So, I, I, quite frankly, I think if you're offended over the robot, I, I think you need to take a look deep inside yourself over why that upsets you so much. 
Yeah, and like, we and not to say this that is it's just... not okay to be like to not like it. If you don't like it, that's fine. Yeah, but if you think it's immoral to depict things, like uh... yeah, because basically calling out stuff like that for that reason is a very slippery slope towards basically. St- I have to be really careful. There's a lot of s words I'm about to use. <laughs> Sterilizing storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So maybe I'm making some false equivalencies no, here. It's um, there's a difference between responsible storytelling and full-on censorship. Yeah, and sometimes the line is difficult to see. Um, and you know, you should know um, that you know all of this is to say we're also dealing with what we now know is a very toxic set. Yeah, and stuff like that. So and there's going to be actually there's an episode, an angel episode in a couple weeks. Um, I, I was looking ahead to see just like what was coming up on Angel and there is one episode, uh, that deals with part of the storyline and just a little minor spoiler, um, deals with, uh, Cordelia getting a, a job in a commercial and she's being like very, she has to wear like a bikini and she's being like very poorly treated by the director and objectified and all of this. And this is going to be an instance where I'm going to kind of say the opposite. I'm going to say like, even though they're making a point about it, it's gratuitous and gross because they're there. We'll talk about it when we get to there, but it's, um, art is complicated and sometimes things will make you uncomfortable. And sometimes it's the time to some of the greatest art in the world is pissed off legions of people yeah um but that is intervention that is uh our buffy bot episode uh final thoughts jason i i think i think almost all the humor in this is a lot of fun um there are a couple misses and uh again like the only real concern i have is that last like kiss Mm -hmm. that buffy gives spike um it doesn't seem like the right time for that to happen. Agreed. So I will give this a three and a half out. Three and a half, um, oh, uh, three and a half lopsided ass cheeks out of, <laughs> out of five. Very lopsided. It's just one cheek. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it uh, three and a half actually sexy wounds. Uh, out of five. I agree. It's very funny. Um, the stuff with Buffy in the desert, we really didn't spend a lot of time with it, except to say that it happened. Yeah, it, um, and, it's, and it does end up being more important yeah. down the line. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have more to say about it later, but um, here it's just here. Uh, but it is cool. Like It's a cool scene. And I mean, it is very similar to Buffy's dream in Restless. Uh, yes. So we're getting some of those gaps filled in. Right, definitely evoking that imagery. Um yeah, I think the whole cast gets some good stuff to play. Um, we, you know, we overlooked Dawn had a line where she was like, oh yeah, uh, Spike bought the Buffy bot so they could play checkers together. Um, Tara's <laughs> like, I thought it sounded convincing at the time. <laughs> uh, so just like every character, even ones who had less to do in this episode, you know, got got at least one fun moment. Um, and yeah, it's a, it does... It, like advance the story it doesn't necessarily feel 
like it's advancing the story, but it is, it, it does in certain ways. And it is just a nice breath of fresh air out of the darkness we've been going through for the last week. Uh, right before we hit the road running next week to yeah, the end to of think, the season. Like, yeah, you have to think, like, last Buffy episode, we almost had zombie Joyce. Yeah. That, um... <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't handle that. Um, so yeah. Intervention. Intervention? 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 <laughs> Karate Kid adaptation? Karate Kid adaptation? <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 2, Episode 18, Dead End. Yes. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at YamiJ357 and on Twitter at YamiJ. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, and each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we are highlighting the American Indian Services. The AIS is dedicated to helping Native Americans have access to a quality education while still preserving their their culture and honoring their heritage. Their mission is to provide preparatory programs for children and financial assistance for those in pursuit of a college degree. Visit www.americanindianservices.org for more information. (gasps) (laughs) And as always, go slay and be gay. Bye. Bye.